Hello. Good evening. <clears throat> What's going on? Not too much. Had to go scramble to find old school headphones so we could do this. Oh, nice. Yeah, no earbuds were found in my vehicle, unfortunately. It's the case of the missing earbuds. <clears throat> what did you have them in when you were? Well, hang on. Before let's let's start the show, I guess. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to Talking About Balls. I am Justin George, joined as always by Kyle Price. Live on stereo on this lovely Wednesday evening. Cavaliers basketball just tipped off a minute ago. Playoff baseball running rampant. The championship series are both fantastic, honestly. Uh, and good old classic Browns drama makes me feel like it's three years ago, four years ago, all over again. Times don't change, man. Just the year. It really doesn't. I mean, COVID, the the COVID year maybe gave us some different feeling as Browns fans that the, the tide has turned and then it did turn all right, right back to the way it used to be. Yeah. I feel like we're back to where we, where, where we feel comfortable. We were out of our realm last year and we didn't feel like we belonged. Now we're back to being typical drama every week and week to week, we're going to get blown out by a bad team. So that's where we're at right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm so used to just every week it's who's the starting quarterback. It's who who else is missing? How bad are we going to lose? You know, your typical typical questions that you have. Unfortunately, but I'm, I'm glad. And here we I'm are. Glad. We'll, we'll get into it. I'm, but I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that Baker's sitting this week or tomorrow, I should say. Yeah, we'll definitely break all that down and then get into the upcoming week. Um, so back to your missing earbuds. <clears throat> yeah. So I don't know. I had them in my pocket, you know, getting in the car. I thought okay. I did at least because I had them on on the plane, landed, took them off, put them in my pocket, and then that was it. So I I, I could have dropped them in the plane. I could have left them in the plane. Um, I don't know, but they're gone. So it is what it is. It was the old. It was the first ver- first edition anyway. So maybe it's God's way of saying it's time to get a new new upgrade. Very possible. Um, yeah, I checked my seat. I didn't see anything. That's all right. We'll uh, we'll make do for now. It happens. I just have this on speakerphone, so hopefully it sounds all right to everybody else. All right, let's get right into it then. Uh, we'll start off with our typical episode where we recap a little bit of around the NFL. And I guess we, I mean, they're not only are they the talk of the town, they're literally the talk of every channel on TV. I was at the gym today and... ESPN, I was reading the subtitles because they don't have volume on, obviously, but uh, all they were talking about to start the show was Baker, all the injuries, Browns taking on the the Denver Broncos tomorrow night, Thursday at 8.20, live in Cleveland, Ohio. But yeah, the uh, the talk of the town, obviously, was today the the Browns officially announced Baker Mayfield is out. He will not be playing. Uh, Kind of expected, if I'm being honest. I think you could attest to that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think after I found out or we all found out that he was getting a second opinion, I mean, you don't you only get a second opinion if the first one's telling you something you don't want to hear. And I can only imagine the only thing he was being told he didn't want to hear was that he'd have to sit out a game. So he got a second opinion. And lo and behold, the second opinion copied what the first opinion said. Yeah, especially with um, his his future literally hanging in the balance. I mean, the Browns obviously aren't fully committed to him. Uh, I was listening to a show today, and it was a, it was a topic. I, I pretty much just listen to other people, and I get very irritated. And what irritated me about this specific show was 
the guy was talking about all these draft picks and the trade for Odell Beckham and how obviously this team likes these guys and blah, blah, blah. And my first thought was that was not this regime. So who's to say Andrew Barry's taking Baker Mayfield number one overall? My guess in in hindsight, I'm probably not taking him. Um, I don't know who they would have taken. I mean, obviously they were heavily interested in they're in an, into analytics. You want high accuracy. Obviously, he was a project, extremely an extreme project. I was even a little skeptical on him being a pro. Your your phone sounds muted. I don't know if you put something over it. Really? Yeah, there you go. I don't know what you had, but it's different now. Interesting. I was just holding it above my face or right in front of my face. Um, Interesting. But yeah, so as I was saying, I was just talking about how if we go back to the 2000 and what is it, 17 draft, we took Baker, I think it was. Um, if this regime was in charge, who would they have taken number one overall? Because there's a lot of skepticism out there of people wondering, are the Browns actually going to extend Baker? Are they fully committed to him? And to me, it, it screams that they're not. Um, but it just, it's an think, interesting question. I don't to think, think they about. take him. I don't know. That's what I was saying. I think. I think they would maybe go after a guy that I was a little skeptical on, and that's maybe Josh Allen would have been their pick. Yeah, I honestly think this pick was a, a John Dorsey-esque pick. You know, John likes to roll the dice and take chances. Some of those chances pay off a la Patrick Mahomes, right? Um, but some of them don't, and we've seen that happen as well. But I think John Dorsey was just trying to um, make that that splash pick, the uh, the pick that would make everyone look at Cleveland and say, oh, shit, they got Baker Mayfield, you know? Because obviously, let's not lie. I mean, Baker Mayfield brings with him um, that, that kind of drama type type thing i think any team baker would have landed on um that team would have been followed like what's going on with baker this week what's going on with baker that week you know what i mean i think they would have followed him anywhere he went um so dorsey took that pick and took the chance and i again I, i'm not saying that baker is not going to be a quarterback of the future but right now what baker has shown us to this point is that he is not the quarterback of the future so i, yeah, I don't my, think they would have made that pick yeah for whatever reason you know my mic must have been i don't know what the hell was going on why it wasn't recording or uh catching what i was saying but what I was saying was I was listening to a show earlier and, and the guy had mentioned a Baker Mayfield and said, like, you know, obviously, you know, there's no no quarterback competition. If Case Keenum goes out there tomorrow night and plays well, Baker's still your guy. And they talked about Odell Beckham and how obviously the franchise wanted him, blah, blah, blah. And to me, I thought not really, because you're looking at a totally different team or regime. I mean, John Dorsey traded for Odell Beckham. John Dorsey took Baker Mayfield. This current regime has no connection to those guys. Maybe they're not high on their, their list of people that they're interested in keeping or they don't see them as the future. Obviously, Beckham's a completely different story because, in my opinion, wide receivers can kind of be a dime a dozen. And the way Odell Beckham's played since he's been in Cleveland, he's clearly very replaceable. I hate, I hate to say that. I want nothing but the best for the guy, but let's just be honest. He's very replaceable. Uh, quarterback, a little different. However, what Baker brings to the table, and this isn't a, a bash, this is just brutal honesty, he's a very replaceable quarterback. And I, I got into a little thing over the weekend during the game talking to a guy who, uh, you know, clearly a huge Baker honk, which, you know, more power to you. And he's telling me how he's, first off, he's saying that Miles Garrett needs to show up. He's the big issue with the team. It's not Baker, it's Miles Garrett. Um, 
I said he doesn't make enough impact plays, doesn't uh, doesn't get quarterback pressures, et cetera. And I just continued to show him stats that show Miles Garrett leading the league in most of those categories. And he's like, well, he doesn't do it when the game's on the line. He does it at you know easy times and stuff like that. And I just think when you're getting that nitpicky about Miles Garrett, arguably the defensive player of the year, you're really desperate for for an argument. And again, my thing with Baker is just he was out there playing hurt. He wasn't very productive. He was hurting the team. And people are just so pissed off that they're willing to throw Miles Garrett under the bus. And I just thought that's fucking insanity. But that's just me. Well, everyone's looking for a reason other than what Baker Mayfield is to to, to complain. You know, you know, for the longest time, I was a like I said again, bigger biggest Baker apologist, um, and saying that you know it's everyone else but Baker. Baker's trying. Baker's doing well, really well with what he has. I just the excuses have left the station, you know, I mean, we just have to look at what the true issues are. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's been defensive issues. Um, I, I think that players only meeting that I guess miles had today or yesterday uh, speaks that they understand that there's some defensive issues and woes, but at some of those p- cases, it's injuries that have been an issue. We haven't had the entire starting roster out there in defense communication has been a problem. So that's stuff that can be fixed. What we can't fix is Baker's ability to, throw the ball further than 20 yards sometimes or make those decisions that are correct in the moment. Throw the ball away. Stop trying to scramble. Stop, stop stopping um, in the middle of a play and then get hit from behind and drop the ball. Those are things that you won't be able to um, fix over time. That's just who Baker is. Baker rolls the dice. I think in Baker's mind, and I could be wrong, but I feel like Baker's always looking for that highlight play. Like he wants that play that, um, he wants people to talk about after the game's over, like, oh, like that Hail Mary play. Oh yeah. You see that Hail Mary play that Baker threw? Oh, congratulations. Um, but nothing else was talked about that game. You know, I think he looks for those kind of plays every single time he throws the ball and, and that's why he makes those decisions sometimes, but, and that's what happens, you know, that's, you know, he makes those decisions and look what happens. Look what the outcome is. Yeah. I mean, couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, you know how, you know where I stand with Baker. I, I like the kid. It's weird calling the kid because I d- haven't really accepted that I'm 32, but uh, I digress. Oh, yeah, you're older than him, so it's okay. Live yeah, with. so he's a kid to me. But uh, so, yeah, I, I like him. I want nothing more than for him to succeed. When we first drafted him, I was a huge fan his rookie year. The the attitude that he brought, the charisma, I immediately was just like, shit, this kid is the future for Cleveland. Like, this is amazing. We finally have a guy that's able to back up his shit talk and stuff like that, and I was so excited. And then now as the years have progressed, it's just been the same old story. It's just been, woe is me, Baker. It's been, I'm going to post some some things to, quote unquote, motivate myself. I'm the underdog, this and that. Uh, everyone doubts me, blah, blah, blah. And then he's yet to really do anything to show that he shouldn't be doubted. He He's in year four. There has been zero progression. And, I, you know, I've said this till I was blue in the face. If you look at his stats across the board, it doesn't matter the head coach, doesn't matter the coordinator, the the teammates, et cetera. His numbers have been near identical except for one, and that was his turnover went down a little bit last year. For what he made up for less interceptions, he turned into more fumbles. And the, those are just things that it, it just shows the, the lack of progression. You look at a guy like Josh Allen. Josh Allen went from a, a complete project quarterback uh, kind of looked a little lost in his first season to now he's a regular MVP candidate. Uh, same thing with Lamar Jackson. You, you take him. I was not a Lamar Jackson fan coming out of college. I thought this is a gimmicky scramble quarterback. I've seen it a thousand times. It doesn't work. And lo and behold, MVP, uh, possibly looking for a second one this year. 
same draft class as Baker, progressing every year, getting better, making his teammates better. And that's a team, I hate to use them as the example, but look at the Baltimore Ravens. They're dealing with more injuries than anybody I've seen in football. They lost both of their starting running backs for the year before the season started. They lost arguably their best corner for the season before the season started. They've lost countless offensive linemen, defensive players, et cetera, and they're still winning. Lamar Jackson, that's what a good quarterback does. You carry the team. You, you make everyone around you better. Baker doesn't do that. Baker went out there on Sunday against the 6-0 Cardinals, and I had high expectations for whatever reason. I, I thought we actually had a chance in that game. Again, when we did our picks, it was before the injuries really came out. So I wasn't expecting all of those guys to miss the game. I thought, we'll have a tackle or two. I didn't think we'd be without both of them. I didn't think Nick Chubb was seriously hurt and was going to miss the game. So those things obviously hurt your team. But was it really that big of an impact that where we got embarrassed? Because we got fucking embarrassed. And that just yeah, makes no, me think it, it, it was that, bad. that's just who Baker is. Baker does not lift his team up. And then everyone wants to blame the defense. The defense sucks. That's why the Browns suck, blah, blah, blah. Look at the Packers. Packers defense isn't very good. Aaron Rodgers is just willing the team to win. If you look at even the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers defense was great in the playoffs last year. So far this year, they're giving up a lot of points. Guess what? They're 5-1 and one because Tom Brady just scores a shitload of points and can put his team on his back. And I'm not trying to say Baker Mayfield's going to be Tom Brady. I understand that's a huge – or Aaron Rodgers even for that matter. I'm just looking at an example of how quarterbacks can lift their team. And, again, we're in year four with Baker. So we're running out of time. The new contract has to come, and you have to make your team better. Patrick Mahomes, in his first full starting season, won an MVP. In his second full starting season, won the Super Bowl. These are things that I'm, you know, I would love, obviously, for the Browns to, to, to get a Super Bowl win. But Baker hasn't even made a Pro Bowl, for God's sake. And hasn't even been close to one. It's not like he got snubbed. He's literally been an average at best quarterback. And I just think that that's not going to do it. That's not enough to win in the NFL. So I, I, back to where I was tweeting with that guy who's a huge Baker defender. He, he was like, then, you know, who, do you, who can the Browns get next year? And who would actually come to Cleveland? And I said, well, you guys have that weird loser mentality still. I didn't tell him this verbatim, but a lot of people have that weird loser mentality still in Cleveland where no one wants to come here. We're not going to get anybody. Why would Aaron Rodgers want to come to Cleveland? Well, maybe because Aaron Rodgers hates the Green Bay Packers. He, he, he's looking for a fresh start. He's probably going to want to do what Tom Brady did. Go to a team with some good pieces around you, and the expectations are just play quarterback, win football games. What else do the Cleveland Browns need? They need a quarterback that can just go out there and win football games. And obviously this isn't going to be an episode of me advocating for Aaron Rodgers, as nice as that would be. But that was the, like the guy, again, he just said, who would come here? And I gave him a list of quarterbacks, and he just shit on all of them and said, no way. For starters, I said Aaron Rodgers, who will become available. He said Aaron Rodgers won't come to Cleveland. He had nothing to back it up. It was just he's just saying that because I think he's so – enamored with Baker Mayfield he's not going to say that we he's replaceable the second name I gave him Deshaun Watson he said Deshaun Watson's not going to play football ever again blah 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 meanwhile story breaks today looks like the Dolphins are getting very close to trading for Deshaun Watson by the end of the the week or by the trade deadline and that just shows you that they have completely given up on Tua he's barely played a full season I don't even think he has because he was hurt a lot and they're giving up on the guy. They're going to trade a shitload of picks, probably include Tua in the trade, to Houston 
to get Deshaun Watson because they they realize they have a pretty good roster and they're a quarterback away. I think it's a, I think I it's like, like the talks of a three three way trade. I think I think Denver is included possibly too. I mean, yeah, they could be a team going after Tua because Houston's looking like they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Houston's expected to probably have a top five pick. Denver and Vic Fangio are kind of on that weird Bermuda Triangle of they're just good enough to win enough games to miss a quarterback. And not to cut you off here, I'm, I'm not watching. Necessarily fire your head coach. I'm watching the, the LA game and uh, Atlanta just hit two back-to-back home runs. Oh, I was actually watching the Cavs game. That's all right. I figure you watch the Cavs because I can't. I'll watch the baseball game. But yeah, Atlanta just hit back-to-back home runs. So they're up 2 nothing in the second. Yeah, not good for uh, Urias, but you know, hey, Dodgers are the comeback kids. We'll see what happens. But yeah, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to spend the whole time harping on Baker, but it's just eventually, you know, time's running out. Everybody's got There's going to the, be some very tough decisions made at the end of this year. Not really tough, but there's going to be some interesting decisions made at the end of this year, you know, and I, I know Andrew Barry, I, I trust Andrew Barry. I think he's, he's shown that we can trust him a little bit with some of the picks he's had, you know, I think he'll make the right decision. I think that's like, to your point, that's probably why he has not been signed yet. Uh, they're not yeah, sure because... they're going to make that decision at the end of the year. I'm curious to see what they do. Yeah. Cause you have to, I mean, uh, they're going to pick up his fifth year option. So we have him for another year, but right. the, then it becomes tough to think about, are you really going to offer this guy 30 million, 40 million, whatever it is. And think about it. When you pay him that much money, you now have to get rid of, I mean, not technically, this is just like you, you then can't afford to, to sign some key players in the future or keep a couple key players that you'd like to keep is Baker really worth basically two or three spots on the roster of very talented players that we could use. And to me, he's not, he's not worth being a majority of our payroll. Yeah. Cause we haven't signed ward yet to an extension. Have we, he's still out there to be signed. Correct. Yes. I um, think he's, he's a guy that could be, he could be dealt with his final year under his contract next year because I don't think the Browns are interested in keeping him. He has trouble staying healthy. He's a good corner. Uh, not really locked down. Obviously, as you saw on Sunday, questionable calls, but still he gets called for a lot of pass interferences. Our defense is still giving up a ton of touchdowns, the secondary especially. Is that more to do with Joe Woods or is that the talent? But I also think that there's a reason they drafted Greg Newsom. There's a reason they signed a guy like Ty Hill. Um Greedy Williams, they've been working him back. That's 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 a Dorsey pick, but could be a guy that's making his way to if, if he'll stay here for a nice cheap deal, they would be willing to keep him. Even like though he's not the I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be naive. But Deshaun, or uh, I'm sorry, Denzel Ward is gonna probably require a pretty hell of a payday. And for a guy that you can't even get barely 15 games out of now in a 17 game season, I get it. It's football. It's physical, but. For me, I'm just – I don't know. That's not a guy that I'm willing to really commit to. Yeah, because we also have him. We have Wyatt Teller that's going to be looking for a deal. We also have – I believe next year we also have Treader or the year after Treader. We have a lot of our linemen that come up with deals here shortly. So a lot of tough decisions have to be made here. You know, They were the, they, they committed to Chubb. We, should, we knew that. I mean, he signed him in, you know, before the season started. So we knew the direction they wanted to go. They saw Chubb. They don't want to lose him, so they, they locked him up for a couple more years. But, yeah, yeah it's going mean, to be very they, interesting the next couple months here. Definitely going to be some flexibility because you have – I mean, Treader, I think he's gone regardless. I think Treader's just at an age where you're going to have to get younger. Uh, Wyatt Teller would be fantastic to keep. But 
if you're going to sign a guy like Baker, if you're going to sign Denzel Ward, you're not going to be able to afford to keep these guys. So Wyatt Teller is unfortunately going to be one of the guys that has to go. To counter that, you probably will be losing Odell Beckham Jr. So there's some good money back on your on your books. Uh, it just really depends on what you're going to get for him. Because if you cut him, you're going to have some dead money. And at, at this point, unfortunately, I hate to say it, Odell Beckham is really not even tradable. No one's willing to trade for that contract for the production that he's giving. Even even a seventh-round pick, I don't think anybody would be interested. So there's definitely going to be an interesting offseason coming up. And not, I'm not obviously, Baker's a tough guy. As tough as it gets. Cool. What does that do for your football team, having a tough quarterback? I'm not interested in a tough quarterback. I want a good quarterback that's consistently good, that plays at an MVP level 99% of the time. Until Baker does that, I'll be impressed. But being tough, doesn't. there's plenty of backup quarterbacks that are willing to tough out injuries and plenty of guys that are that lack talent, but they make up for it with toughness. But again, this isn't Rudy. You know, it's, they're not going to make a cute little movie out of Baker being a tough guy. They need somebody that's actually going to win, win football games. I'd watch that movie. <laughs> unfortunately, I've seen it. I've been watching it for four years now, and it's not that cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get into Sunday's game now. I mean, let's just talk about it. Ugly. Where do we is there, is, begin? Is, is there a, is there a thing, is there really stuff to talk about? Can we just brush over with it and say this game was disgusting? <laughs> I mean, yes and no, but I look at it as like, is this is this who the Browns are, or was this kind of an anomaly? Because you look at you look at the Browns, and obviously going into the season. I don't want to sound like a hater, but I was one that said, I don't see the Browns being a legitimate Super Bowl contender with Baker Mayfield. Here they are in the season playing the arguably the best team in football, the only undefeated team playing great on both sides of the ball, the Arizona Cardinals. So I thought, you know what, we're pretty banged up, but if we can compete and make it tight, keep it close, maybe this proves that I was a little wrong and we can keep up with some good teams. Instead, we went out there and just got embarrassed. I mean, the score isn't even as good as it looks because we got a hail Mary and for what it's worth, I don't care who your quarterback is. Hail Marys aren't a skilled play. So I had some Baker fans that were, you know, texting me immediately when he threw the hail Mary, trying to rub it in my face. Like it was some sort of amazing, accurate play. A hail Mary is a ball. You just, you're a quarterback. So throwing it to a specific spot, cool. He threw it a lot in the air. Don't get me wrong. Uh, or like distance-wise, hell of a throw. But Donovan Peoples-Jones just made an amazing catch, and their defense was piss poor, the Cardinals. How you don't defend a Hail Mary, I don't really know. But uh, kudos to them for catching it. But at the same time, it's not some skilled play to act like Baker's a great quarterback because he completed a Hail Mary. That was literally the argument people were trying to get. They were sending me LOL texts after Baker threw that because I was kind of beating him up in the first half and saying he's costing us this game. I mean, here's the – and I, I pulled up the NFL.com, just like the drive summaries of like the game, and this is the pathetic part to me. So like the first drive, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I mean just the first couple. I mean the first the first time we got the ball, three plays for four yards, we punted. The second, second time we had the ball, we went eight plays for 43. We went forward and fourth and we turned it over. This is what's concerning. The next two times we had the ball, it was for two plays, two yards, we fumbled it. And then the next time was three plays for two yards, and we threw an interception. There's basically your first four drives of the game, and look and look at the production value. And then for the people that bash the, the defense, again, 
they were bad. I'm not defending them, but they stepped up at a pretty critical part. If you look at the if you look at the score, uh, the play by play, because I I've already looked it up. We threw the hail mary to go into halftime. That's awesome. Keeps you in the game, and then all of a sudden, we come out of halftime. We get them to three and out. We force them to punt. Miles Garrett gets a sack. So for the guy saying Miles Garrett doesn't show up when when it's a big moment, he did that. He got a sack on the very first drive against Kyler Murray. Forced a three and out. They punted. We got the ball back. What did hmm. we do then with the ball? We went three and out. Oh, oh no! Correction. We went three and negative eight yards. Just yeah. wanted to throw, so throw we, it out we there. Went, we gave them even better field <laughs> position. So then the following possession for them, the Browns defense holds them to another three and out. So this dynamic offense that we had trouble stopping all game, when we had the momentum on our side, our defense came up huge and stopped them twice. Two back-to-back possessions. And then what did we do in that that second possession in the second half? Another fumble, turned the ball over. Basically, that was game over. So the people that bashed the defense, sure, they weren't good overall. But at the same time, when you give three turnovers, basically four because Kevin Stefanski went for it again on fourth down and we didn't get it, that's a turnover. It's literally called a turnover on downs. I get it. The field position wasn't great for Arizona, but that's still a turnover. That's still a momentum shift because their defense stops you. So they're all pumped up. Their offense goes out there like, fuck yeah, they, we stopped them. Let's get some points, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's a huge momentum shift in the game. So essentially four turnovers in the game, you don't overcome that. And the defense, again, they, they played their asses off. They weren't able to come away with any turnovers, but Kyler Murray fumbled it a bunch of times. It is a shame the ball didn't happen to bounce our way, but they did fumble. There were some opportunities, but again, the defense did make some key stops when needed and the Browns couldn't capitalize. To me, that goes back to Baker Mayfield, his turnovers. He held the ball for so fucking long. You want to blame these uh, tackles. The, The pressure on Baker wasn't exactly instantaneous. It wasn't immediately. It was because Baker held the ball a lot. That play you talked about where he fumbled because he stopped. I don't understand what happened in that play, and I wish we could get some clarification, but it's, it, to me, to my knowledge, I don't think it's been addressed properly. He was scrambling around, holding the ball. I mean, the play had to have lasted seven seconds, which in the NFL, that's fucking outrageous for a quarterback to hold the ball for seven seconds. And J.J. Watt gets around. Again, first off, J.J. Watt, pump your fucking brakes, yelling, they can't block me. You're going against a fourth-round rookie who's never started <laughs> in his life. You're acting like you beat fucking Joe Thomas out there to yell, they can't block me. Uh, but I digress. He he gets a sack on Baker, but he's chasing around. Baker, for whatever reason, just stopped. I don't understand what happened on this play. And if you have an explanation, please fill me in because I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. He's scrambling. I don't know around. what he was. I don't know what he's looking at. I, I, he looked back behind him before he's like when he stopped. And then I, don't, he I don't know. Completely someone, stopped, just, pulled the ball up, and got stiff. He didn't try to. Did, slide. Some, did someone say boo or something? Like, I don't understand. I know there was a flag thrown because there was a hold on that play, so there was a flag on the ground. But if there's no whistle, you still play with a flag on the ground. You can get a a holding call, and the play still goes. There could be an offsides, and the play still goes on. Yet Baker completely stopped moving. And again, I don't understand why. For that one, I, I know I tweeted it. Nobody really wanted to say anything back, but I just said. Did he really, did he quit on that play? Did he, like, what, can anyone explain what happened? And I have yet to get any clarification. 
I'm going to go with he quit in the play. I think he saw the flag and said, I'm just going to stop here and get and tackle because we, we got a holding. I'm going to go backwards. But the but crazy part behold, guess even, what happens? He fumbles it. Yeah, he didn't even try to, like, protect the ball. He literally just stopped, stood completely straight upright, <clears> and just held the ball like it was a loaf of bread, and they knocked it out of his hands. I really don't – none of that made any sense. The Cavaliers have just given up three straight three-pointers in a previously tied game and are now down 47-38 defense. There we go. That's the Cavs we know and love. You know, not to not to get off the tangent to basketball, but just listening to our morning show on the way into work today. Um, there was a bit on the on the phones. I'm not sure if you listened or not, but uh, the the head the head host uh, was picking up the phone. He's like, "All right, let's go to line number two for the excitement for the Cavs." And he pick it up and it's a dead a dead ringtone. He's like, "All right, let's go to line six for the excitement of the Cavaliers and it's another dead ringtone." And he, like he did it for three or four more times. I mean, I was laughing my ass off because it's funny because. No one can get excited about it. You know, it's like, oh, let's get excited about Evan Mobley or let's get excited about Darius Garland. Yeah. Nope, not really. Not there. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure you remember last year I was naive enough to get excited for the Cavs when they started the season off actually pretty, pretty decently. They were playing well. And I remember I had mentioned I was like, man, this could actually be like an eight or seven seed. Like they look like a legit bottom of the barrel playoff team, which in the NBA, it's not hard. It's harder to miss the playoffs, in my opinion, in the NBA. And uh, I thought the Cavs could have snuck in, and then they ended up being one of the worst teams in the league. And this year, they're over-under, if I'm not mistaken, is like 25 or 26 for wins. And, you know, that's pathetic. That's basically, they're expecting you to win like maybe 30% of your games, which that's not going to cut it. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Go Cavs. It's one of those like trust the process things like the Sixers did, except when the Sixers were doing it, they were drafting Joel Embiid. Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, actual really talented all-stars. The Cavs are just swinging and missing on all their picks. I mean, the deadline, similar to Baker Mayfield, the deadline passed for the extension for for Colin Sexton. And to me, that's going to interfere with their relationship a little bit because essentially you're letting him know that we don't think you're worth what you think you're worth. And whether I think I, I partially agree with the Cavs in that aspect because, you know, Colin Sexton has been less than stellar. It, it definitely hurts his psyche, I'm sure, thinking like, huh, this team drafted me. They they obviously like me. I've been here this whole time. I've been improving. Not tremendously, but he's been improving nonetheless. And now it comes time to pay the piper, and the Cavs are like, whoa, no, no, no. Who put the meme out? It was funny. I, I saw on Twitter the other day someone put a picture of a of – a... Zero dollars for zero years for Colin Sexton. I was like, damn. Oh, I didn't see that. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... Someone put a picture of it. It's like, you know, how you do sometimes someone signs a big free agent deal. You put the picture of the player in like four years, 120 million. No, it's like, here's Colin Sexton's picture with zero dollars for zero years. I'm like, do we got to do that really? But it was funny though. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I mean, it, it, it's sad because, again, this guy was a top 10 pick. He, they had high expectations for him. And, here we are again, time to get paid. And there were rumors that the Cavs tried to deal him in the off season and nobody wanted him. There were like, now is the time to pay him and the Cavs aren't interested in paying him. Are they going to now try to trade him again, knowing that he's not under a huge contract? So maybe teams are going to be a little more inclined to take him because they don't have to pay him this huge contract. I'm not sure. I also just think that his talent just doesn't really justify any teams being that interested. I don't think he brings much to a team. He struggles. Yeah, unfortunately, the, he's a point guard who's not the greatest passer. He's he's you know I mean it's game one, but he's been passing decently tonight against Memphis as I've seen. But 
unless this is a consistent turn of events where he's going to play like this for the rest of the career or the year, I mean, uh, it doesn't hold a lot of value. Apparently teams are not too interested in him. No one. And that's the sad thing with, with the Cavs from what I've read from NBA reporters that I trust. A lot of people around the NBA kind of say like the Cavs team has nothing special on it. Like no impressed by that roster. No one expects anything from this team. There's nobody on the team really worth much to other people. So that's never a good thing to hear about your team. We they bring sex. They, they, the they, they, game. Oh, and he caught uh, it. You're, um, did you, uh, did Sexton start? He started tonight, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, there was like talking this morning again. I, I can't watch the game cause I don't have the, the, I think it's in the Valley package, right? Is that what the games are on? Oh yeah. It's on Valley. Yeah. So I can't, um, I can't watch the game. It's going to have the package, but they were saying that there was talks about him possibly like coming off the bench or whatever, or some weird, weird shit like that. So I wasn't sure if that was legit or that's this them talking. <clears throat> which which would make sense because he is that kind of guy. Like I said, he doesn't do much as a point guard that well, like a traditional point guard. He he's he's quick. He can score. He he was drafted because he was supposed to be this lockdown defender. He's yet to really show that. Uh, same thing with even Isaac Okoro last year. The Cavs took him like fifth overall, and it was because he's supposed to be this great defensive player. They'll eventually work him into, you know, you're in the NBA. They'll teach you how to shoot. Uh, but we're going into year two, and year one wasn't that impressive from Isaac Okoro. And here we are, what, year four with Colin Sexton? And, again, not too impressive. But no, we'll see. I mean, I'm not expecting much I, out of this team. Again, there's you can quote-unquote trust the process, but I've been very underwhelmed with Kobe Altman, and I'm truly shocked he's still employed. So are you are you saying more or less than 25 wins then? Just an early predict on the Cavs. Um, I would pro- – it's tough. I would honestly like to say like right at 25. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go less till proven wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll happily pick, pick less because this team has a lot to prove, and I'd rather be wrong about that than be wrong about going over and being naive. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're going to be right at 20, 22 wins on the season, unless, like you said, something miraculous happens and they they pull their head out of their ass and play well. But I really am curious to see the the growth of Evan Mobley this year. I'm curious to see if he does get bigger and stronger throughout the season. And and you know, I just he looks like a guy who could like break a bone easily. You know, he's just really thin. You know, I'm just I'm wondering, hoping he's like pull something, rip something, break something. So I'm curious to see how that goes this year. Yeah, he uh, he was a guy that I was excited for the Cavs to pick. I know, you know, we did a, a draft show, and I was excited that they took him. Um, however, I just think regardless of how good Evan Mobley can be, I just don't think the supporting cast is there. So the the better he gets, the I don't think the better the team gets. You know what I mean? I think it'll be cool to watch him, but he's going to be one of those players that He's a good player on just a bad team. And it's it's almost like the Colin Sexton situation where Colin Sexton has looked fantastic, but that's just because you're in the NBA. You're on a bad team. Somebody has to score points. Colin Sexton's just the best player on a bad team. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it would translate if, if you traded Colin Sexton to any other team. Is he going to put up these same type of numbers and be the same player? And I, I would think absolutely not. I mean, I'm just watching the the, the Grizzlies are just driving at will and shooting and doing everything. I mean, they just missed the layup there, but still. Uh, 
just it's just ugly. I don't know. I'm not excited for the Cavs. I've truly thought about going to YouTube TV. The only thing that I the only reason I didn't get YouTube TV previously was because I would lose the Indians and the Cavs. But at this point, there's nothing to watch on either of them. <laughs> so you 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 have two of the worst cases to keep anything. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm, I'm a sucker for Cleveland sports. I mean, I was a diehard Cavs fan back in the. The Ricky Davis, the Drunus Ogalskis, Darius Miles days. I was a diehard Cavs fan. I watched every game. I went to a shit ton of games, even though they won fucking 10 games a year. Uh, I had an Andre Miller jersey. You know, I'm a, I'm a diehard Cavs fan through and through. So it's hard for me to – like, I love the Indians too, don't get me wrong, but there's so many baseball games that I'm not, I'm not watching every game. That's absurd. Um, you love the Guardians, sir. I need you to correct your terminology. No, no, and the prep se- for season next hasn't year. ended. When the 2021 season ends, they're, they're the Guardians. <laughs> their season ended. And, I mean, shit, their okay. season ended back in like April. But, this uh, is going to say when the season kicked off is when it's, it was pretty ended, much. Yeah. It was over before it begun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just not, not a good time to be a sports fan in Cleveland right now. You have really nothing to look forward to. The Browns are supposed to be the saving grace, and we saw how that went. Uh, other news around the NBA, nothing really too crazy. The, the season kicked off last night. Kyrie Irving still refusing to either admit he got vaccinated or get vaccinated. And he is not playing with the Nets. And the crazy thing is, is that cost him hundreds of millions of dollars because the rumor had it has it that the, the Nets were willing, were ready to offer him an extension. But because of this recent behavior, they decided to say, no, thank you. And Kyrie Irving potentially cost himself a hundred plus million dollars to take a stance and show the little guy that, you know, we don't, you can't be forced to take a vaccine. So good for him. If it's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, by all means, well, you got to stand would, up for something, right? I mean, I, I would pick a different topic to stand up for, still get vaccinated, but still be that person that says, you know what, you know, you should still make the choice for your own body, but uh, whatever, that's not me. I guess he has all the money in the world, so good, good for him. Right. I mean, of all the platforms to, or, or, he's got such a big platform. Of all the stances to take, he, this is where he's making his his big uh, demonstration is with the vaccine and costing himself millions and millions of dollars has nothing to do with like civil rights or equality or anything like that. It's vaccine from a guy who's the, who admittedly said he thinks the earth is flat a lot of people tried to try to oh my god that was a joke but i don't believe it remind me after this is over to send you this video i was watching if they sit down three not to get off a non-sports topic but they sit down three scientists and they sit down three flat earthers and they they recorded it just a conversation and you you wanted to like scratch your brain trying to understand how some of these these things that people are coming up with to argue against the scientists um, as to why they think the earth is flat. It's, it will, it will make you laugh probably more frustrated, but it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. To me, it's just one of those things of like, I think we've, we need to slow down with technology and the internet and stuff like that, because it's really <laughs> fucking people up to where they just, they can go down a wormhole and they're willing to believe anything Oh, yeah. I mean, you could type in any topic. You can make up anything you want in your mind right now and just think of the most off-the-wall topic ever, conspiracy theory, whatever you want to, and you will find stories that will support whatever theory you believe is true. And then once you start clicking on the one, then you start finding another one and another one. Then there's some YouTube video you watch. And now 
you think you're listening to some Harvard grad professor when you're listening to some um, person who lives in the backyard, back of a trailer park somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. And, and yeah, that's the big <clears> problem. I mean, you have people that you can realistically, you can create a conspiracy theory out of just about anything. Literally any event in the history of the world, you can say, oh, well, it's because of this. It's because of that. And then, you know, p- put a couple of pieces together and all of a sudden people actually start believing it. Even though it's pure batshit craziness, people will believe things just because you kind of make it sound like it's authentic. And, yeah, we won't get on a, on a conspiracy theory rant, but it is fucking just amazing how, how much we have all this technology at our fingertips. You, you literally have the power to be the smartest we've ever been because you can learn anything you want at your fingertips and we've gotten so much dumber it's just crazy to me (laughs) but you know god bless america i suppose freedom of choice freedom of whatever you want to believe that's the beauty of living here right absolutely so you mentioned earlier the atlanta braves hit back-to-back home runs so let's talk about major league baseball playoffs a little bit uh when we last week i don't even remember where we were series wise we had at the time, I think everything was still going on because I don't think there were any sweeps. So we had the Rays obviously lost to Boston. Houston beat the White Sox. The Dodgers and Giants went to five games. and That was a fucking fantastic series. I watched every game. It was great. Um, the Dodgers obviously won in five. We had the Atlanta Braves upsetting the Milwaukee Brewers in four games, which I actually think that series ended before after we were uh, before we recorded but anyway so yeah so now we are in the al championship series and the nl cs as well dodgers are down two games to one and they're currently losing two to nothing right now and the houston astros just went up three to two over the boston red sox tonight so that series took a huge swing because boston came off so hot in games two and three hitting uh, setting a record for grand slams they currently have a new record. Oh, I, don't, I don't know how they scored today. I didn't actually watch the game. But going into today's game, they had tied their franchise record for most home runs in a, in a playoff. They, they homered today. They um, did? So, yeah, Boston, so they broke they, the record. Yeah, their only, home, their only run was a home run, yep. Yeah, so then, you know, they set a new record most home runs, which is just – that just shows you where baseball's at nowadays. There's no more small ball. It's literally go big or go home. Um Atlanta's up 3 nothing now, by the way, top of the third. Sounds about right. Um, but, yeah, there's no more small ball. It's, it's literally just home runs. Average, you could hit 200, but as long as you hit 30 home runs, you're, you're a major league starter on any team. It's, it's kind of crazy how weird baseball's gotten, but that's just where we're at. Uh, Ricky Rubio just trying to force the ball to people, turning it over left and right. Rubio. I will say though, Rubio has made some great plays. He's he's looked good. He shot well. Made some great passes. Just gave up an easy layup right there, though. Unfortunately, but it's going to happen. He is old as shit now. Uh, we'll, we'll do a quick rundown here of the NFL and what happened in week. What is it? What was it? Week six last week? Yeah. Yes. So week six in the NFL, we uh, obviously we went over the Browns and Cardinals. Browns lost that game, but we will talk about other games around the league as i open up the page give me one second the buccaneers won a close one against the eagles in my opinion i think that was more so 
that was more so Tampa Bay took their foot off the gas. They had a huge lead. They were up like twenty eight to seven or something like that in the first in in the in the first half or whatever. They had a big lead, a few touchdowns, and they ended up winning twenty eight twenty two. Again, the score looked a little closer than it really was. I think they just kind of fell asleep. Tampa Bay in Philadelphia against a pretty bad Philadelphia team. They got that huge lead, and I think again they just stopped caring. So the game looked a little closer than it really was. We had, I mean, I would say upset, but I called it. Jacksonville beat the Dolphins oh, in London. Jesus. Bullshit. The first Urban Meyer win, the first win for Trevor Lawrence. I'm curious to see if this trend continues and they, they win some games. Or maybe, just maybe, Urban Meyer just can't win in America. You know, that'd be kind of funny. <laughs> if, if they come back and he just goes back on a losing streak and it's just something about he can only win overseas. Um, well, Jacksonville will be the first team moved to England when they decide to uh, move out. So, Yeah, and that's when Urban Meyer's heart palpitations or whatever will, will start acting up because there ain't no way in hell he's moving to fucking England. He's not shoving his thumb up a dirty Brits asshole. He only wants to do oh, that. They got, nice. they got some nice blondes over there he could handle. Might have some t- teeth issues, but who fixes their teeth when you're when you're thumbing the asshole, like you said? You know, it's okay. well. It's a little harder to abandon your team to go to your own bar if you're living in the United Kingdom. So I don't <laughs> think he's going to go. He wants to stay as close to his bar in Columbus as possible. <laughs> I, d- I did see a tweet. There was a joke after they won, and somebody said, "Does Urban Buyer fly home- back to America with the team?" <laughs> it was pretty funny. The plane ride from hell, part two, Jaguar edition. <laughs> Uh, next up, we had the Chiefs got off their weird streak that they were looking kind of bad. Uh, and what's me. up with Patrick um, Mahomes this year, man? I mean, he's not having a great year. You know, a, you know, a lot of people, and this makes sense when I thought about it. Not to blame the coach, because obviously, I, I'm a, I'm a I'm a diehard defender of coaches. When when people want to blame coaching, I always say the coaches aren't out there throwing the ball. So, for instance, and this isn't a knock on him, but this is just an example. If Baker Mayfield throws an interception, I, personally, I don't blame Kevin Stefanski, regardless of play call, because the quarterback has options. You don't have to throw to a specific guy that's covered. You can throw it away. You can take a sack if you have to. It's not the most ideal situation. Um, you can throw it to a different person. So for me, if a guy throws an interception, unless it's like a drop or a tipped ball, something like that that's out of your control, it's on the player. So a lot of people are saying, maybe Andy Reid doesn't really give a fuck as much as he used to because he got that championship that he always sought after. He He's done amazing things with the Chiefs. They've had one of the most prolific, prolific offenses in football for many years now. So people are saying maybe Andy Reid's getting a little stagnant. Maybe he's just, you know, doesn't care as much. I hope that's not the case, but that's something people are saying. The other thing, too, is their defense is terrible. And I think that does have an effect on your offense. The, the Chiefs' defense was never elite, but it was always pretty damn good. So to run this high-powered offense the Chiefs do, it's got to be exhausting to even the offensive players. You're out there running 100 miles an hour constantly. When your defense sucks and they're giving up a ton of points, you have to consistently do that. You can't take a single drive off because your defense is going to give up a touchdown. So you have to keep up on the scoreboard so it makes you force a little bit more. You're a little tired. I just think overall the Chiefs need to, you know, maybe have a players-only meeting and kind of figure it out, which, again, I don't know if they did that, but they did. They looked like they figured it out a little bit uh, against 
the uh, Washington football team. Well, the, the other Sunday. thing too is that I'm noticing with Patrick Mahomes this year, and and was Patrick Mahomes always has that like he tries to make that fancy play, kind of what I referenced with Baker. Baker always trying to be the highlight reel, but like when Patrick Mahomes, there's a play here I just watched because I'm, I'm watching the highlights as we're talking. The one where he game. flipped it to Kelsey? Yeah, where he like he's getting sacked and he tries to flip it out or whatever, you know, or not that maybe the one you're talking about the one for a touchdown. I'm talking about the one he intercepted it. Where he's oh, going no, down this, with this this was a completion. I don't know if it was a oh, touchdown, no. but like no, this is the one where he got rolled all out. over the place and then he just he got... kind of tossed, like pitched it almost to Oh no, this is a different Kelsey. play. It was, it was cool. he, he rolled out to the right and he's getting sacked, and why he was getting sacked, he he tried to like finger, like you know, like basically shoot the football like with like a basketball style to somebody, and it just got knocked up in the air and it got intercepted. It's like, stop trying to do that kind of stuff, you know, like just go down with the ball, live to play the next play. And I think he's making more of those plays this year because I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he's got like eight, nine interceptions this year, so far. Yeah, he's uh he's second in the NFL in interceptions and in, in the wrong way, not in, like yeah. second best. He's right. So I just got eight. I mean, He's just trying to make big plays. I don't know. I don't know why. That's the only thing I see different this year about them. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's forcing it a little bit. Again, I think a lot of it has to do with the extra pressure from the defense and how poorly they've been playing. It really puts a strain on your offense too when you you don't have the confidence that your defense is going to make a stop. I look at the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, Baltimore Ravens game. They could not stop Lamar Jackson. So again, that puts a, a lot of pressure on your offense. Uh, it, it shouldn't because you are damn near elite across the board, but still puts a little added pressure to where you almost can't have a bad drive. You you have to get points on every possession because your right. defense is so bad. That's the only way you can stay in the game. Right. No, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It's probably why he's making a lot of these forced plays. But, I mean, it just has to be a – if you're second down and you're trying to, you know, knock that ball down the field and you're getting sacked, to live to play the third down, you more than likely make up that first down in the next play or two. You know what I mean? But – I'm not the coach. I'm not the player. Just things we notice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I'm not. I'm not one to say that. I'm not going to say that he was figured out. But at the same time, it does look like that lucky. Those lucky plays that he used to get away with aren't happening as much as anymore. So right, absolutely. Definitely, some someone to keep an eye on there in Kansas City with that whole situation. But we'll see what happens. Uh, next up, we had the Rams just beat the piss out of the Giants. It was never close. Thirty-eight to eleven. I didn't watch a single highlight of it. I just saw Cooper Cup did his thing again, and it wasn't even close. I think they're the NFC team to to, to beat this year. I know the Arizona is good, but I think the Rams would would. Uh, I mean, I think the Rams are going to take that in the NFC. Just an early prediction. Yeah, that'll be interesting because those two were the at the time the the lone two undefeated teams. They matched up in Week Four, I think. Yeah. The Rams. The Rams got the the their asses kicked. Arizona right. looks good, but at the same time. Look at a lot of teams in the NFL. A lot of teams that start off hot as shit, like the Cardinals are, usually doesn't pan out in the end. You, you, the one big thing I listened to on the radio that they talked about going into last week's game when we played the Cardinals was that the Cardinals haven't really been faced with a lot of adversity. They haven't had a lot of injuries. They did a little bit this week, so they were without they were without Cliff Kingsbury, the coach with COVID. They were missing um, Rodney Hudson, their center. Max Williams went on IR, their their tight end. He's out for the year. However, then they just traded for Zach Ertz. Then you have, damn, it's four nothing now, Atlanta. You have uh, you had Chandler Jones miss the game with COVID, but all these guys missing, they didn't skip a beat against the Browns. <clears throat> but at the same time, against a better team that's a little more equipped to play, like a healthy Rams team or somebody like that, maybe it doesn't work out in their favor that the next time around. 
But uh, yeah, they're they're hot. It's early. A lot of get a lot of season to go, but definitely the Rams are a legit contender. In another blowout win, the Indianapolis Colts beat the shit out of the Texans. Don't look now, but uh, my guy that I've always defended, Carson Wentz, he's having a hell of a season. In in a lot of rankings for quarterbacks, take it for what you will. He's two interceptions, like, two hundred yards. That's a nice game right there. He's 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 moved up to, uh, to top fifteen in the rankings. He's having a good season. The Colts are kind of having some issues overall with injuries and stuff like that as well. But getting T.Y. Hilton back looked to be huge for Carson Wentz. Uh, their defense isn't playing as great as they did last year, but that was to be expected. I think they kind of overachieved a little bit last year. But if they get this thing figured out, they have a huge game this week against the the Niners. If they can beat the Niners, I saw a thing on ESPN today, and that's why I bring it up because I saw it. Their their chances of making the playoffs if they win on Sunday go from like thirty nine percent to like sixty three percent. So this is a huge game for them uh, coming up this week, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But don't look now; the Colts look like they're a pretty decent team. Next up, we had the Bengals, another blowout, beating up a fellow cat. The Lions, 34-11. to 11. Lions 0-6. They are the last winless team in football. And it's just ugly. It's ugly. It sounds like Jared Goff's going to get benched soon, which, not to keep harping on Baker, but kind of a similar situation. You have a quarterback that's okay. He did get him to a Super Bowl. Give him that. But that was also because they did have one of the best defenses in football at the time. Got you to a Super Bowl. You got embarrassed. I mean, Bill Belichick knows how to make bad quarterbacks look bad. And he did that with Jared Goff. That offense was putrid. Sean McVay is a, an offensive guru, and he couldn't do a fucking thing against the, the Bill Belichick because, you know, a little limited with a guy like uh, Jared Goff. So they traded him away. Jared Goff, you thought was going to be the long-term quarterback in, in Detroit. Not anything special. But definitely young enough with a good with, with a contract to where you think this guy's going to be here for for a pretty long time, and here we are halfway through the season, not even, and there's rumors that Jared Goff's getting benched, so things are not going well in in Detroit already. Next up, Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers. It's it's a shame, <laughs> but he had to, he had to beat the team that he owns, and that is the Chicago Bears. That was that, hilarious. I, I loved that. I loved it. I don't know how you felt about that, but I loved it. Well, I loved this. I didn't know the story behind it, um, but when I saw when I saw the story when he was talking after the game, where he's on, he, he was on. Um, who's that punter that was uh, for the Colts? He has his own Pat talk Nancy. show. He's on W. Yeah, he's on the he's on that show, and he's like, you know, I saw somebody give me the double bird in the stand, and he goes, I kind of blacked out a little bit, but you know, I felt like I just had to remind them who I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, he, he was so honest. He came out and he said, he's like, he's like, these guys paid money to go to the games, which they're more than welcome to to talk shit, do as much as they want. He's like, why can't I say something back? And I, I respect that. I love that. <clears throat> I still own you. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that don't know, uh, Aaron Rodgers ran in the touchdown, did his <laughs> championship belt move, and then immediately started saying, I still own you to the crowd. And it was fantastic because if you look at his numbers, he owns the fuck out of the Bears. It's it's ridiculous. He's like twenty and four or something like that against them. He's got like fifty something touchdowns to like five interceptions. Just literally just obliterates the Bears when he plays them. 
So he wasn't lying. It's safe to say that he did it again. 24-14. The Packers, don't look now. They started off, they had that horrible week one where everybody thought that they were done. They're 5-1. and one. Well, funny how that works out, huh? Right. Speaking of 5-1, and one, the Baltimore Ravens, the team that I just got done talking about comparing to the Browns with injuries and shit like that, they beat up on the Chargers. The Chargers really couldn't do much. They, they, they scored smacked them around. Touchdown. My God. Uh, I mean, they admitted I was listening to uh, a national radio show today, and Austin Eckler was on there. He was, he was open and honest. He said, you know, we had to go for it early. Uh, it wasn't early, but they, he's like, we had to go for it, basically pinned back in our own uh, area because he's like, we couldn't do anything. We couldn't move the ball. We had to try to get a spark somehow. And it's unfortunate that they never found that spark, but Baltimore just shut them down, which is crazy because Baltimore, especially this year, they're not known for their defense. They've given up a lot of points. They've had to come back from behind multiple times because their defense has given up a lot. And it's just, it's one of those things. But again, you you go through the list of the injuries and you expect Baltimore to maybe be one and five not five and one when you look at all the injuries they've had to deal with. And here they I are. Think we all, I think we all wrote the Baltimore Ravens off this year. After we time they all got hurt, we're all like quietly cheering. We're like, yes, you lost Dobbins. Yes, yeah, you I mean, lost Yeah, this. they lose Dobbins, and then they lose yeah. – uh, who was it? Marlon Humphreys, the corner. Yep. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is great. Good. I'm sorry. I think it was great for the lost. great for the Browns. We're gonna have a great season against these guys. And that's what I thought. I'll be honest. I, of like, that's oh, an shit. L in our record right now. That's the gonna be an L for our schedule for the Cleveland Browns. The, we 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 put all this money into our defense. We're gonna have a good defense, and the Ravens can't stay healthy. You know, easy to win the division. Lo and who are who are we trying to fool? Come on, now. <laughs> we're, we'll be lucky to come in third place at this point because the Bengals don't look like any type of a joke. The Bengals look like a legit team. They're playing out of their minds. It's, it's Bengals the best expecting best team in Ohio this year, man. That's who they are. Truly, so big win for the Ravens, thirty-four to six over the Chargers. Um, overtime, Carolina, Minnesota, another one that I've had. A lot of people went with Carolina. I went with the Vikings. That's like their third overtime game this year, the Vikings, I think. Yeah, they uh, they have so many games come down to the wire. I mean, they had the game where they would have ended the Cardinals' undefeated streak if they would have – if Greg Joseph would have made that field goal, but he missed it. And, I mean, the Vikings aren't a very good team at 3-3, three and three, but realistically, they could eat, they could very well be 4-2, and two, maybe even 5-1, and one, if I'm being honest, just based on some, some games. Just need a little bit of extra luck, and they they haven't been able to find it yet. Uh, obviously, we talked about the Browns and Cardinals. We don't need to. We're sweeping that one under the rug for sure. Uh, next up, we have the Raiders beating the Denver Broncos, thirty-four to twenty-four. The score looks a little closer than it really was. It was kind of a blowout. Uh, I didn't realize how banged up the Denver Broncos, especially Teddy Bridgewater, how much they are, or how badly they are. So that's one of those things with, we'll talk about that later when we do our Browns uh, preview, but I didn't think, I didn't realize how banged up they are, but I heard that like Teddy Bridgewater was struggling to even walk to the podium for press conferences, things like that. They are in bad shape. And I mean, that's good for the Browns, but for that game did not work out well for me because I did pick the Broncos, but uh, the Raiders were able to go in there with their new interim head coach, whoever the fuck it even is. I honestly don't even know and get a win in spite of John Gruden. He's not racist. That's what we know so far about him. Mm, well, yeah. <laughs> Emails haven't been released. 
a nail biter. Actually, a surprisingly good game. The Dallas Cowboys win. That was a hell of a game. Yeah, they they beat the Patriots. Cowboys moved to five and one, but I, I was not expecting the the, the Patriots to <clears throat> play them that well. I kind of expected a blowout. It's the Belichick to, thing. Belichick knows how to them. plan against good teams. I mean, he just he puts good plans in place, and they do well. So you know, kind of okay, and then. It just you have to make sure you close out those games. I mean, he's playing well against Tampa Bay. He's playing well against the, the Cowboys. He seems to do okay against teams. But, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not expecting the Cowboys defense to, you know, I'm not saying they're elite by any stretch. But I just really didn't think that the the Patriots would be able to keep up score-wise with the, the, the Cowboys because the Cowboys have a dynamic offense. And the Patriots were able to do it. Uh, it, it took – an overtime touchdown to CD lamb uh, to win 35, 29, but it was a hell of a game. It was actually a really fun game to watch. Uh, I was really happy that kind of obviously didn't make up for the Browns getting their ass kicked, but it did feel good to watch competitive football after watching the Browns get their ass kicked uh, Sunday night football. You had the Geno Smith led Seattle Seahawks against the old man, father time, Ben Roethlisberger led Pittsburgh Steelers. And they needed overtime to beat them. They needed a strip sack from TJ Watt, which was more so on Geno Smith for holding the ball so fucking long and holding it so loosely. And the Steelers won 23 to 20. It's one of those things of like, you know, congrats to Steelers get a win, but it's really not that impressive of a win. You did it against a pretty bad Seahawks team. Let's just call it like it is, especially without Russell Wilson. He's their entire team. Their defense is garbage. Their offense only can really flow when Russell Wilson's behind center. They didn't have that on Sunday. I'm shocked. It was even as close as it was, but it was close. Did, you, did, did you see what the video that? before the game started of uh, Russell Wilson out there in, in, his, in his mini huddle warming up and everything? Like he's on his knee, like he's pretending he's in a huddle. And then like it, it went to him, like hiking the ball to himself and running, like running around and pretending to throw the football. Did you see that? Tell me. You saw no, that. I did. I honestly, I, I <laughs> really didn't watch much of the game. We actually ended up watching uh, Halloween kills a second time. Oh. I watched it Sunday night. Cause I was, oh, okay. game, to me, I saw Geno Smith and the Seahawks against the Steelers. I was like, no, thank you. Well, it's, it's because before the game started, like they had like a camera panning over like the sky cam. And like it shows him like doing like a fake huddle, like like so. Then of course you go to Twitter, and and when we're done, go look it up on Twitter. You see it, but people are like, "Hey, who the hell are you talking to? What, what are you doing in a huddle, a fake huddle? What are you doing hiking it to yourself?" Like it was just funny to watch. Like if you're gonna be out there like practicing, like running and throwing the ball, like just do that. Why do you have to go like from a huddle to doing that when there's nobody else around you? <laughs> yeah, Russell Wilson to me, I mean, I always he's a unique guy. Like- yeah, I always make fun of him because of my buddy that's a Seahawks fan. But truth be told, I just think Russell Wilson is a fucking weird dude. He, uh, he's he gone through so many different, like, persona changes, basically. When he came into the league, he was a super religious uh, – I think he was married to that girl, but he was dating this one kind of weird-looking white lady. <clears throat> they were both just, you know, again, really dorky and religious. And all of a sudden, he meets Sierra, and he's trying to dress like he's going to the BET Awards. He's trying to look all cool and hip and, like – he like grew an afro and shit like i don't know he just he changed who he was as a person so to me it just screams like he has an identity crisis essentially and yeah he's a little fucking weird uh just the guy that i i wouldn't hate him as the browns quarterback next year because i know he hates it in seattle but at the same time if if he wasn't a guy we went after i wouldn't be mad about it i get it he's an mvp candidate when he plays his best but he is a fucking weird dude and i just i don't know (laughs) 
I do think his his one big bugaboo in Seattle is that they don't protect him. And obviously, if you keep a pretty good offensive line here in Cleveland that we already have, some good protection. Just saying, Russell Wilson's another name to kind of look for next year if you're the Browns. Just saying. Just in case uh, uh, Andrew Barry's listening right now, that's just that's in case. giving you ideas. I heard he is. There's word on the street. He'll be listening to this in his office tomorrow morning. It's his pregame <laughs> ritual. And then Monday night to wrap up the week that was, we have the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. Monday night game, another fucking classic, a really fun game to watch. Derrick Henry is that dude. I don't get to watch the Titans games that often because they don't really televise them around here too too much. And to see him just fucking take over a game. He's so big, and the way he can run, it's so impressive. Like, I never really got into arguments with people because I, I've outgrown that, you know, five years ago or whatever. But I'd sure always see have. people, <laughs> to an extent, for certain things. But I'd always see people say Derrick Henry's better than Nick Chubb, and part of me was like, they're pretty comparable. Like, I get Derrick Henry gets all the yards, but because we have Kareem Hunt taking a lot of touches away from Chubb. But then after watching Derrick Henry, it really is Derrick Henry's the best running back in football. There's just no going around it. He's, yeah, he's so fucking he's, dynamic. He's sneaky fast too. Like he, he, you know, he, he gets hits that high gear and he's gone. Like that run and he broke for like 50 yards. Like he gets like past 70, that 76 or something yeah, like that. But yeah, okay. he, it's he crazy got to the fast. second level. He juked into the secondary and was just gone. I mean, there was nobody was catching that dude. He's so fucking good. But bonehead move by uh, who's their coach? Uh, Sean McDermott. Yeah, I didn't he, understand uh, that call at the end of the game. Fourth and one, like forty-five seconds to go in the game. You're on like the five-yard line. Obviously, you can get a first down, but again, you're only down by three. It's thirty-four, thirty-one. In my opinion, I get it. You're on the road. I take the field goal. I play for overtime. They didn't look like it on Monday night, but Buffalo technically has like arguably the best defense in football statistically. They also have the best offense in football statistically. So you would kind of think that you trust that if you're Sean McDermott. For whatever reason, these coaches this year are just so ballsy. He went for it on fourth and one, and Josh Allen kind of slipped. So, I mean, you can't blame the coach for that. It's Again, it it comes down to execution. But still, in in my opinion, I would have just taken the three points, play for overtime against the Titans, and hope you get the ball, and you don't give them a chance to win. And if they get the ball – do everything in your power to stop Derrick Henry, but I think you trust your defense. That's just me, though. Yeah, it was a it was a very interesting call, but I mean, I guess at that moment you're like, oh, we're four and one right now. Let's just go for it. You know, what, what do we got to lose? One game, we'll win the next couple of games. I don't know. That's I, I cannot imagine making that decision in the split moment the coach had to probably. And you know, I'm not here to condone gambling or anything of the nature, but no, here here we go. Buffalo cost me a lot of fucking money by losing that game on Monday night. Those sons of bitches. <laughs> They were part of your parley? Yes, they were. They were the final team. I just watched that game, and I'm like, hell yeah, this should be an easy win for the Bills. I'm going to win some money. And lo and behold, they shit the bed. Justin was not very happy Monday night. I was pretty fucking mad. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's get into pick-ems. I'll admit, I have not even looked at the games yet. I haven't done my pick-ems for our Facebook group. Uh, So I'll be doing it on the fly here. Have you got a running tally of where we're at right now for the season so far or no? I don't. I'm still a couple of weeks behind, so I'll do that for next week. I really haven't had a chance. I've been pretty busy. All right, so let's get these going. Well, obviously, Browns and Broncos will do that last. So so don't, don't worry, people. We're skipping Thursday for the time being. 
We'll get started first things first with the Carolina Panthers at three and three against the one and five New York Giants in New York. Even though it's a road game for them, I'm going Carolina because I just think they're the better team. Yeah, this is a pretty simple pick. I just can't trust any New York team right now. So yeah, going Carolina. Next up, sticking with New York. We have the New York Jets taking on the New England Patriots. The Patriots had a huge win against the Jets just a few weeks ago. Again, Bill Belichick really knows how to shut down rookie quarterbacks, unless you're named Davis Mills for some reason. And do we think he's got it in him again to do it for Zach Wilson? Or do we think maybe the Jets come after their bye week a little rejuvenated, ready to roll? Uh, no, I think Zach Wilson throws another two interceptions this game. <laughs> Dude, I'm going Patriots. Generous. I think it could be more than that. I'm with you. I'm going New England. Next up, we have the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Tennessee Titans. Truly could be one of the games of the week. You have the the Titans who looked bad. I mean, they lost to the Jets, for God's sake. That's embarrassing. They Week one, I think it was week one, did the Titans get blown out by Arizona? Yeah, they got they got stomped. Everyone thought the Titans season's over. Like, God forbid, and they're done. Yeah, and here they are, four and two. They realistically should be three and three. I think if that game goes to overtime, Buffalo's beating them on Monday night, but I digress. Uh, this is a tough game. I mean, the chiefs are three and three. They're kind of treading water right now. The Titans four and two looking to pull away in the South. This is a tough pick. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, I got my pick already. You can think about it for one more second. I'm going Kansas city here. Uh, I think that, um, I mean, it's going to be a close game, but I, I think Kansas City's. you know, I think, I think he puts up, you know, nice three touchdown game. Um, maybe they win by a touchdown, maybe win by 10 points. But yeah, I got Kansas City in this one. Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm, I'm with you because I watched the Monday night game and saw that, that their first round pick, Caleb Farley, he tore his knee, blew his ACL. They were down, excuse me, they were down to like their, their bottom of the roster secondary guys. And their secondary is already bad enough. So now you're going up, up against the Kansas City Chiefs with a bunch of guys that really don't have any business starting in the NFL, let alone covering Tyreek Hill, trying to cover Travis Kelsey, etc. I think the Chiefs win this one pretty easily. I just think even though you have Derrick Henry, I, I think matching the Kansas City Chiefs is easier said than done. Julio Jones is questionable again. The guy just can't stay healthy. Uh, so, yeah, Kansas City for me. Kansas City for Kyle. Next up, the Washington football team heads to Green Bay. This one's Oof. an easy one for me, too. I mean, <laughs> Washington has been extremely underachieving. They haven't been able to pull it together. They can't get their quarterback situation figured out. Uh, I feel bad for Ron Rivera. It was cool to see him come back, battle cancer, survive, do all that cool stuff. Last year, their defense looked spectacular. For whatever reason this year, the story is a little different. I'm going Green Bay. Yeah, I think Rodgers has a pretty good game here. I think they win by two touchdowns or more. I think it's going to be a pretty easy victory for the Packers. I, I could see that as well. Absolutely. I hope he throws a couple touchdowns to Devontae Adams and to um, their fucking running back. Oh, that's right. You got them both on your one team, don't you? I do. I need him to score. What is it? Jam- not Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams. No, Jamal. It's uh, Jamal. Oh, um, Jesus. I always yeah, forget that, his name. That team. Yeah, whatever. Fuck it. Moving on. Um, next up, we have the Falcons taking on the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins aren't looking good. Again, the rumors are flying that they're going to be trading for Deshaun Watson, which can't be good for Tua, Tua's psyche going into this game. The Falcons are coming off a of bye week. They just got that win in London against the Jets. They're not a very good team, but I just think that they're going to be able to pull this game out because Miami's just that bad. 
yeah, I mean, this this was another one of those. You picked the lesser of two worst teams here, but I, I think the Falcons do pull the win off here. Yeah, this was definitely a tough one, but I'm with you. I also think, you know, it's a road game for the Falcons, but Atlanta to Miami isn't that far. Uh, it's not like they're going across the country. So I'm going with the Falcons. Could be game of the week here as well. we got a couple good matchups. We have the Bengals taking on the Ravens. This is the Bengals' ultimate test to prove if they're legit. And this is the Ravens' ultimate test to prove that, you know, they weren't just playing with a horseshoe up their ass for the last couple of weeks. Can they continue to shut down high-powered rookie, not rookie, but young quarterbacks like they did last week to Justin Herbert? Can they score on a pretty decent Bengals defense that's been playing really well? <clears throat> I'm excited for this game. I really don't know who to pick. Um, I'll go first, then, if you're deciding. I'm going uh, the Baltimore here on this one. Um, I think that uh, Lamar Jackson is going to have another good game. I, I just don't know the defense for the Bengals is going to be enough to stop him. He's been shown this year that he can beat decent defenses as well. Um, I, I just think he's going to have another stellar game and win. It's going to be a close game now. Um, Bengals have proven to move the ball. They've been proven they can score the ball. And, you know, it's going to be interesting, but I still think that they win by a touchdown or two. Oh, I'm honestly torn. I think I, – I don't know if I really – believe that the Ravens could lose or if I just want them to lose so it's hard for me because you know I watched the game last week against Herbert they were able to shut down that offense easily um the rate the 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 Bengals same thing the Bengals have a really good offense with a young quarterback do I think the Ravens can stop them two weeks in a row because they did let Carson Wentz move the ball up and down the field they did let Jonathan Taylor do whatever the hell he wanted on the ground but then they just came back at the end the Ravens or the Bengals defense has been playing really well. I mean, they went toe to toe with the Packers. They should have won a couple of games. The Bengals realistically are a couple missed field goals away from possibly being undefeated right now. And it, it, it's it's one of those situations of what I got hooked last week. I got you know hoodwinked by the Chargers because I thought, okay, this team's legit. They're going to beat the Ravens. They ended up getting smoked. So this is one of those things where I, part of me feels like the Ravens are going to, or the Bengals are kind of legit and I'm worried that I'm going to get hooked. So because of that logic, I'm going Baltimore just to be safe. I thought you were going to throw the logic out and just go Bengals just to be different. So you had a possible I want to, win and again, I mean, my big thing too is again, it, it comes down to heart. I'm a Browns fan. So I want the Ravens to lose because things aren't getting any easier for us, especially with these injuries. So I'm in that situation of, I need the Ravens to lose some games. So they're not the, the division's not out of reach because even wild card, I think is going to be very difficult for the Browns to obtain at this point. Cause you have the Bengals who are better than the Browns right now. We're tied with the Steelers. You have the Ravens who are better than us. You have the, the AFC West overall is just damn good with the Ra- Raiders, the, the chargers and the Kansas city chiefs, two of the, the, of them have already beat us. So it's, it's tough in the AFC, especially for the Browns. And again, another team that's kind of up and coming, the, the Colts. I get it. We're, we technically have the better record than them, but the Colts could easily turn their season around. So it's not going to be easy for the Browns to make the playoffs. And I don't really want to give up hope in, in week seven. So I just really want the bank, uh, the Ravens to lose to kind of keep hope alive. But unfortunately, I have to go with my gut, and that is Baltimore winning. It's so cute that you still have hope. I like that about you. You've got that it's not optimism. That I have hope, it's just like we should make the playoffs and I'm irritated that they're not playing up to their potential. It's just more of one of those, like, it's like, I don't have any kids, so I can't really vouch, but it's like, 
I imagine it's how you feel when you have a kid and he like does something really stupid and you're just so fucking embarrassed and like disgusted. You're not even mad. You're just disappointed and like depressed about it. And that's where I'm at with the Browns. I can't even get mad watching the games. It's one of those just like, did I really think we were going to win a Super Bowl? Why was I that stupid? Like, I'm just disappointed now. <laughs> we have the Jared Goff reunion and the Matthew Stafford taking on his former team, the Detroit Lions, for the first time ever on Sunday. Again, do you think they have a, do you think they have a tribute video to Goff up playing above the field before the game starts? Uh, yeah, it's going to be an in memoriam. It's going to be because he's probably going to get benched this game because they're going to beat the fuck out of him. So he might die on the field. So that's the memorial video they play for him. Uh, I think yeah, I'm, this is a pretty easy pick for both of us to here. Pick the, the, the Rams here. Yeah. Next up, we will stay out on the West Coast. You have the Philadelphia Eagles flying to Las Vegas, going into the uh, whatever the fuck. What do they call the stadium there? The not the black hole. Um, the the Death Star. Um, what do they call uh, it? Are, they, are we talking about the nickname? The actual name of it? Oh, the nickname. Don't they have like a cool name for it? Like nickname? I think the black. I think it's a black hole. Oh, that's the black hole. Is it? Um, I don't know. Black something. You're were right. Were they calling it the Death Star? I thought they were calling it the Death Star. I don't know. I didn't think I so. Know. Either way, fuck them, fuck the Raiders, and fuck the Eagles. That game's gonna suck, but I think the Raiders are gonna win it pretty easily. I think the Eagles just aren't. A very oh, they good are. Team. They are calling. They're calling to Death Star. Jesus. They are okay. I thought. I thought so, but I wasn't positive. I hope I George Lucas' trademark thing. That hope George Lucas is uh, cashing in on that name. That's what I was. That's why I was like, are they calling it the Death Star? Maybe they're calling it the Black Star because they don't want a copyright infringement. I don't know, but I guess they're just going with it. So fuck it. More power to them. When you have a shitty haircut like Mark Davis, you don't give a fuck about money or anything like that. So. He's probably willing to pay the piper if they came asking for a royalty check. Uh, I'm going with the Raiders. Yeah, I think the Raiders have shown that they don't care about emotions. They're just going to keep playing good football. I think the Raiders take this one. Yeah, Derek Carr is having a surprisingly good season. Uh, They're doing just enough to win. Their defense is, to me, very surprising. I, I was expecting them to be a lot worse. So kudos to them. Next up, we have the 6-0 Arizona Cardinals hosting the 1-5 Houston Texans. They have announced Davis Mills will start again. As soon as Terod Taylor's healthy, they expect him to be the starter, but he's not there yet. So, for me, Cardinals are 7-0. Oh, that's such a hard choice for me. I don't know. I thought about right. it for a while. Well, yeah, no, I think, the, I think it's the Cardinals' easy, easy win here. I mean, the one cool thing is J.J. Watts going up against his former team. A lot of guys going up against their former uh, employers, but this one's going to be ugly. So Cardinals all day. Speaking of possibly getting ugly, Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, the Rook, goes to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Uh, I would love to see Justin Fields get the cool upset here, but I also just have to go with realistic picks. And the Browns aren't that good of a team this year. If they were able to beat the Bears, I think the Bucks are going to do it pretty easily. Yeah, I think Fields looked pretty good then the last two weeks here since the Browns game. He you did, know, absolutely. Three weeks, he looked pretty good. They got a lot of injuries they can't overcome. Their defense isn't holding up their end of the bargain. Uh, never easy for a rookie quarterback to go up against Tom Brady. And I think Justin Fields is going to get to experience that firsthand. I mean, Fun, I good, fa- fun fact, a rookie quarterbacks, what, like you probably look at the same thing I am. They're 5-20 and 20 against Tom Brady. That's crazy. I actually didn't didn't see that, so that's impressive for Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, I take the Buccaneers here too. And I also think that, that a lot of that has to do with most of the time Tom Brady was facing rookie quarterbacks. It was with Bill Belichick as the head coach, and we know what Bill Belichick does to rookie quarterbacks. So I'm giving all that credit to him, not to Brady. 
<laughs> Next up, we have Sunday Night Football. Big game for both of these teams, truly. I think if I think the loser, it, it might end their season. The only team that I mean, I guess it's the Colts and Niners. I guess if the Colts lose, realistically, their season's not over because you do get to play Jacksonville and Houston a couple times. So there's a couple wins to keep you afloat. Um, and Tennessee's not exactly running away with it. They're they're only four and two. So big game for the Colts. Really big game for the Niners. At two and three, the Niners are having an issue with quarterbacks staying healthy. They're coming off a bye week. Uh, they're in a situation where you know George Kittle's on the IR for a couple of weeks. They're they're missing a lot of pieces just as as much as anybody in the NFL. That's going to happen. And if they lose, I mean their season's just about done. It's kind of interesting to see what their stance is with Kyle Shanahan now that he would be going into a consecutive bad season with San Francisco because just it, it's it's tough to remember but not that long ago they were just in the Super Bowl and now you fast forward they've had two potential going on two losing seasons in a row and how the mighty have fallen are, are are the are the Niners getting a little sick of Shanahan only time will tell but this game is is huge in my opinion this is a big moment for for all teams in the NFL if you're kind of right on the cusp of 500 this is one of those situations where it's it's make or break. If you lose this week, your season's pretty much toast. Did you make a pick? I did not. I am going Colts, though. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I saw in the middle there. I was like, did you make a pick? I didn't hear a pick. No, I was um, just breaking down the game and pretty much breaking down how for most teams in the NFL that are that are around the two to three win area, sure. this is a huge week. And that includes the Browns. We'll get to them in a little bit. Oh, no, I agree with everything you just said. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. It could be a really good game, too, but I'm going different than you. I'm going 49ers here. Um, I think, right. like you said, it's a make or break, but I think uh, at home, I think the, the 49ers get it done. All right. And then we have Monday Night Football, a, a game yeah. that I probably won't watch a minute of, if I'm being honest, because it just doesn't do it for me. Uh, how many times can I watch Geno Smith on the fucking primetime? We have the New Orleans Saints going to Seattle. Uh, I just think New Orleans defense has, has played really well. They're coming off a bye, so they're fresh. You have Seattle, who just went to overtime against the very physical Pittsburgh defense on Sunday night. I just think with Geno Smith starting, with how bad their defense is in Seattle, uh, I'm going New Orleans. Absolutely. Um, even at I think, home, I think, they're, they're underdogs. I think the yeah. Seahawks are kind of in shambles right now with questionable moves with the, the GM where they traded for Jamal Adams, who – I'm sure you saw the play that he got hit right in the fucking face with. I, I'm not. It's a funny play <laughs> on tape. It's a funny like replay. It's really fun to watch. But it, realistically, in game time, I understand Jamal Adams wasn't looking for the football. He was looking to make a play. So to get hit in the face, it's not an embarrassing thing of like, oh, haha, he doesn't know how to catch. It's because he was doing his job. His job isn't to look for the football. It's to hey, this guy threw the ball. There's a guy right there. I'm gonna stop him from doing his from catching it from getting yards. So. I don't blame Jamal Adams at all. Uh, it's still funny because again, of who it's, it's it is it's that, like, it ha- that it happened to, you know, there's that, that gift that people like to show of LeBron James where he's getting hit in the face with the ball from a, a rebound and, and warmups. And it's like, let's be honest, would any person in the world, you know, be able to stop that ball when you're not paying attention? No, it was going to hit anybody in the face. So, uh, but, but again, what I was getting at was just questionable decision to trade multiple first round draft picks for a safety and, hasn't really panned out since he's been in Seattle. I don't think he has 
He has zero interceptions, and I think he only has like one sack or something like that, if he even has any. So it's been a huge bust of a trade for them. Uh, good for the Jets. The more Seattle loses, that's their first-round pick this year. And I think they even have a second or third included. So kudos to them for that move. The only problem is the Jets don't know how to draft either. So kind of a wash. Realistically, they should just give those picks to a team that knows what they're doing. <laughs> With that being said, I'm going to New Orleans. Yeah, I, I agree. I think New Orleans wins this one. To me, I think it's going to be closer than we probably think it's going to be, but I think the Saints pull it off. Yeah, by no stretch am I saying like the, the cheat or the, the Saints are some good team that's going to just blow them out. I just think they're going to they're gonna have the upper hand. I think you have coming off the bye, Sean Payton's had a couple of weeks to figure out the offense, to get Jameis Winston ready, to get the entire offense a little, you know, fresh, healthy. <clears throat> and Seattle just, you know, they are who they are. They're not a very good team. Now we have the the pivotal game of the week for Cleveland. Thursday night football, taking on the Denver Broncos. You have Case Keenum officially getting the start. You have no Nick Chubb. You have no Kareem Hunt. You possibly have no Jarvis Landry, no Odell Beckham, no Jedrick Wills, no Jack Conklin. Um, who am I missing? Defense, we got a couple guys that are banged up. Possibly no Malik Jackson. Um, uh, A.J. Green's out. Yeah, A.J. Green, the one of our corners, is out. So just a huge list of injuries. JOK is out. JOK, I forgot about him. He's on the IR. He's out for a few weeks at least. Um, it's getting ugly. It's getting real ugly here in Cleveland. I think it's, it's a shorter list up. to name of who is playing than to, to go through who is not playing in this in this moment. It's crazy. Honestly, like there's there's a chance Kevin Stefanski might have to put a, put a uniform on just because we're running out of fucking bodies. What position would Kevin Stefanski play, do you think? Uh, wasn't he... Wasn't he a linebacker, I want to say, back in college? Yeah. Football. He would get lit linebacker. up in that position. <laughs> yeah, oh no, he would he would never make it in this NFL. Um But at this point, we're desperate. I mean, we need fucking anybody out there. Uh it's gonna be ugly. I mean, Denver's also pretty banged up. They have also struggled against competitive teams. I won't necessarily say good teams, but they struggled against the Raiders. They struggled against the the Steelers. Uh, I forgot who their third loss was against. I, I'd have to look it up uh, if you want to bear with me. Not that it's that important. But their three wins have come against bad teams. And their three losses have come against good teams. So they're in one of those situations where very similar to the Browns of years past where I, I guess we can't even say that. We, we weren't even winning games we were supposed to win. But that's what they're kind of doing. They're one of those teams that they win the games they're supposed to, and they're lo- they lose the games that they're supposed to lose. They're just right there, possibly, you know, gonna gonna float around five hundred. Um, it, it's gonna be tough. I mean, Case Keenum's getting a start. It, it was a long time ago. I'm a, I'm well aware of that. I'm not I'm not stupid. But the Case Keenum led Minnesota Vikings under Stefanski many moons ago, four years ago, I believe, he put up, and this isn't bashing Baker, this is just honesty, he put up very similar numbers to what Baker put up last year. And I mean that to almost to a T. In a few less starts, he had almost the same amount of yards, same amount of passing attempts, uh, four less touchdowns, same amount of interceptions, uh, a higher completion percentage than Baker Mayfield did and took them to the NFC Championship game. So to me, that just goes to show you that Kevin Stefanski's offense is 
he knows what he's doing. It's suited to do what it does. It, it, you could put a quarterback in there as long as it's somebody that can run, manage his offense. Uh, then you're in good shape. And Case Keenum proved that. This is going to be our first chance of seeing somebody else lead the ship, if you will. I, I mean, he knows he knows his play. Here. He he knows his playbook behind, like the back of his hands. I mean, this is I mean, not, not saying this is a bad thing, but I, yeah, yeah, I think he he probably knows this playbook and this offense better than Baker does because he's been he's he's known it for so long. Um, but again, I, I, there were guys on the radio today that you know they're just they're trying to get topics, so I understand. And they're saying, you know, what if what if OBJ has a ten catch, hundred twenty yard, and a touchdown game with with Baker and the Browns win? Does that just show that Baker can't throw to Odell, blah, blah, blah? Like, for me, I don't give a fuck about what happens on Thursday, if I'm being honest. Again, I think this is a pivotal game. This could potentially make or break your season. This is a game that, going into the schedule, I had this as a win. And with how the rest of the AFC is shaping up, shaping up and as I said earlier, the difficulty it's the, the more difficult it's getting for the Browns to be a potential playoff team, this is a must win in my opinion. I know it's not going to be easy. I know that's asking a lot for a team with all these injuries, but I just think that you kind of have to get this W with that being said, I am going to pick the Cleveland Browns to win, but I'm not fully confident in it. If I'm being honest, I've been, I have, I was back and forth on this all day today, knowing that we'd, we'd make picks tonight. I, and honestly, I, the easy pick, obviously, is you pick for the Browns, but I don't know, man. I just feel like, <sighs> yeah. So here we are. I have their, I have their full schedule right here. So Denver, week one, Denver beat New York twenty-seven thirteen, beat the shit out of them. Week two, they beat Ball, uh, Jacksonville twenty-three to thirteen, beat the shit out of them. Bad team. Week three, twenty-six to nothing, beat the New York Jets, a bad team. Week four, got their asses kicked twenty-three to seven by the Baltimore Ravens. Week 5, 27-19, again, one of those games where the score looks a lot closer than it really was. Pittsburgh Steelers beat them. Last week, Vegas beat the shit out of them. Beat them by 10, but realistically, it was a much. It was never close. So when they're playing a good team, they struggle. The Browns, fully healthy on paper, are a good team. This current Browns team that we're going to be fielding tomorrow night, I really, again, as it stands right now, the game will be at halftime 24 hours from now. That's how close we are to game time. And I still have no idea who's who's playing and who's not, yeah. except for Case Keenum and except for our running backs. Dearness Johnson's getting his first career start because we have no Chubb. We have no Hunt. I don't know if Wills will play. I don't know if Conklin will play. I don't know if Odell will play. I don't know if Landry's going to play. So many question marks. This is not going to be easy. The one glimmer of hope that I have is that Stefanski is going to have a perfect offensive game plan. I think hopefully our defense can step up because that's it. To me, the key to tomorrow is the defense. We cannot give up big chunk plays like we have been giving up in the last couple of weeks. We have to play lockdown defense. Our D-line has to get pressure. We have to create turnovers. That's the only way we're going to win this game. You're at home. You're going to have a fired-up crowd. It's going to be a nice fall night. It's probably going to be rainy. It's going to be shitty. Kind of perfect for this offense. Run the ball. I get it. We don't have our great offensive line, more than likely. I get it. We don't have Chubb and Hunt. But still, be aggressive. Run the ball. Play action. Get those tight ends involved. Do quick, smart plays for Case Keenum. And I think you can win the game. 
Yeah. So I'm picking the Browns too. And I, I agree with what you said. I think it's going to be a, uh, a drag them out type type night. I do think, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be rain. ugly. Yeah. Um, I, I, but I think Johnson is a, is an okay running back. I mean, I think he's a good fill in for what we need him to do tomorrow. He can, he'll move the ball. He's quick. Um, I, I do my, think... my thing is I, I want fans to lower their expectations with him because I also think that, yeah. you know, the, the, the short amount of times that we've seen him play, he's been coming in and spelling Nick Chubb and spelling Kareem Hunt guys that have beaten up defenses all game. So you're bringing out a fresh guy in Dearness Johnson against sure. guys that have been battling with great players all day. So I just want people to have their expectations lowered because I heard a lot of people that immediately were like, well, with Dearness Johnson, they'll be fine. Like he's a great running back. It's like, well, he's a good running back. I wouldn't say great. Um, don't get me wrong. I just think similar to quarterbacks. I think whoever you plug in at a certain position, like running back for this team, you immediately – make them a better player just based on how we run this offense. So that's definitely mm-hmm. good, a good sign for Dearness Johnson. But I think with how shitty it's going to be tomorrow, that's your key to victory is really going to be just be aggressive, run the ball. And then, like I said, defensively, you have to create turnovers. Mm-hmm. Miles yeah. Garrett, you got a lot of people talking shit about you, Miles. Make those plays. Go out there and win this game like everybody says you quote-unquote can't do, even though you lead the league in most categories. I'm not one of them. But go out there and just establish dominance tomorrow. Um, just, just because we know that he's listening to this podcast, so he's he's gonna he's, he's gonna take fan. that to heart. He's huge fan, huge fan. Of, huge, huge fan of talking about balls. Um, the one thing I'm really curious to see though is to see how he, uh, Case Cam does. I think uh, I don't think he's gonna go any deep balls. I think it's gonna be all within 20, 15 yards passes, quick passes, and relying to people, the the players, to make plays after the catch. Um, but that's the thing is Keenum's not a turnover machine. You know, Keenum's smart with the ball. Keenum is going to get rid of the ball quickly. Um, I don't think you're going to see Keenum trying to make those fancy plays that Baker does. So it's going to be cr- really interesting to see uh, that the Stefanski offense ran true to its form. You know what I mean? So I, that's what I'm really excited to see tomorrow night. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with you 100%. I think this the offense is going to look way different than we're used to. What's going to happen is you're still going to see your, your, your play actions. You're going to see some bootlegs, a lot of tight end usage. Obviously, we're going to pound the ball as much as we can. However, we're not going to be doing a lot of explosive plays. I don't think there will be, like you said, no deep balls, things like that. It'll be some, some very quick passes, a lot of slants, really just effective, efficient football. Almost look at it as like Case Keenum's a rookie. Imagine we're Mac Jones, who Bill Belichick doesn't really let him cut loose. It's just smart plays on offense. It's quick. It's easy. I kind of think that's where we'll be with Case Keenum. And that's not a knock on Keenum. I also think that a lot of fans need to kind of go in and with lowered expectations. You need to go in, and this isn't a, this isn't a quarterback controversy where it's if Case Keenum plays great, what does that mean for Baker? That that's something we'll worry about down the line. Right now, your main focus should just be just be efficient, be effective, be smart, and just win the game. Yeah, just get a W, and man. That's all Abby's I want. Better in Case Keenum, regardless of, of like you said earlier. It, it, that's another thing. Are we facing Teddy Bridgewater or are we facing Drew Locke? Obviously, I think I would rather face Drew Locke because I think Teddy Bridgewater is the better quarterback. But either way, it's similar to what they might want to do. It's going to be just be smart with the football. The weather could be shit. So it's, it's going to be an ugly game. And I think fans need to really just stop going into it worried about – don't even think about Baker Mayfield tomorrow. He's not playing. That's it. I know they're going to talk about it on the, on the broadcast a ton and how Baker wishes he was out there, blah, blah, blah. They're going to show him on the sideline 100 times. He's probably going to be 
pacing back and forth. They're going to say, oh, look at how antsy he is. He wishes he was out there. We get it. He's not playing. You got to move on. <laughs> like for me, the headline tomorrow is just the Browns need to win this game. And I, I say the Browns because it's a team game. It's not, oh, Baker Mayfield, he wishes he was there. Who gives a shit? I bet he wishes he wasn't hurt, but he is. So that's just how as much as works. As much as we say this, I almost want to stir the pot a little bit. And I, and I want to see Odell play, and I want to see him get his first touchdown this year. Because I want to see fucking sports talk the next day on those calls. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's so many variables to that. I agree with what you're saying. I think it would be really funny. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's one of those things of like, we just played – the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. We just played the probable playoff team, Los Angeles Chargers, and now we're facing maybe a 500 at best Denver Broncos team. So the competition's different, but yeah, either way, it would be really funny if, if, if Case Keenum just looks really good. And well, the Cleveland fans like, can't handle that kind of thing. I just feel like it'd be have a complete meltdown. We still, we win, but then you have like Odell have a game of his life or, or a touchdown, maybe six catches, 60 yards and a touchdown. And then all of a sudden this is going to be every call that morning is going to be, Oh my God, this is, this is a Baker problem now. Now we got to get rid of Baker. <laughs> I, I agree. That would be hilarious. But I also look at it too, as it would be really beneficial to the Browns because if Odell goes out there and lights it up tomorrow, then it does show that it's a Baker problem. And then maybe that does make Odell's trade value go up a little bit. Cause then teams go, Oh shit, that guy actually is still really good. It's the quarterback that's holding him back. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Definitely that's one way be, to look at it. It's gonna it's be funny. Gonna, it's gonna be an interesting night. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm expecting a very, very ugly game. Unfortunately, I have to watch half of it because I have, I have bowling tomorrow. So the first half I'll be watching it, you know, while bowling, and hopefully the second half I'll be able to catch afterwards. So what time <clears> do you <throat> usually wrap up? Um, we're usually done bowling around nine o'clock nine thirty, so it's usually around like halftime okay yeah that's not too bad is it close to you yeah i mean we're probably going to go next door to a bar after the game's over after oh, we're okay. done bowling and just finish watching the game so that's not bad all right well that is all i got for this episode and we will uh do it again next week and you know obviously if anything major happens we might have to do an emergency episode a little sooner than, than needed but hopefully that doesn't come to it <laughs> Being nice, and the Browns are. When are the Browns bye week? Is it? It's not next week. It's is it the week after next? No, it's a while. It's a, it's it's a week, ways away. Week ten or something. Some, okay. Something like that. Yeah, it's one of the later ones. Interesting. All right, cool, man. Well, hey, enjoy your weekend. I know you have a trip planned, so have fun and uh, yeah, we know, are enjoy uh, yourself. First thing month, uh, Friday morning, heading down to Columbus. Awesome. Well, enjoy yourself. Have fun down there. Drink a lot of beer. Will do. All, All right, right man. buddy. Have I a good will night. Talk to you soon. Thank you guys for listening. Later.